into episode 7 of Trail Talk SA. Good day from myself, Brad Brown. Thank you for downloading and listening to this weekly podcast. Uh, it focuses specifically on the South African trail running scene. Another busy show lined up for you this week. And before we get into who's on the show, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who sent tweets and emails uh, about last week's show with Ryan Sands, uh, where Ryan spoke to us about how he deals with failure after his uh, forced withdrawal from the Leadville 100 miler. It's just amazing to hear someone like Ryan Sands who's uh, experienced victory so often uh, and not necessarily defeat or failure. Just talk honestly about how he bounces back from uh, a setback like uh, those back spasms that forced him out of the Leadville 100 miler. So yeah, keep those comments coming through. You can email them to podcast at Trail Talk SA. You can also tweet us at Trail Talk SA or if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our Facebook page. We post a whole bunch of stuff up there, some cool photos, some cool motivation as well. Uh, it is Trail Talk SA on Facebook. Just search for us there. Coming up in this week's show, very, very excited to have the winner of the 2013 Atacama Crossing. Daniel Rowlands on the show. Zimbabwean-born, went to varsity in Cape Town, but is now living in Santiago, Chile. And we had Daniel on the show, just spoke a little bit about running, trail running in South America, uh, some of his goals and, and hopes and aspirations. He's also heading back to South Africa uh, uh, in about a month's time, actually, to come and run. Uh, a race here and it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, we chat a little bit about that on the show this week as well and then also uh, another race that's coming up in a couple of weeks time is the rhino run if you don't know anything about it it started in port elizabeth it's the second year that it's run but they have races around the country there's seven of them happening this year and i've got the founder of the rhino run on the show this week sean o'keefe just really passionate uh, about stopping rhino poaching and very cool interview as well that's coming up tell you exactly how you can get involved and also if you're listening anywhere around the planet how you can start your own rhino run as well and then we're talking injuries uh, on today's show too with physiotherapist chris allen and chris and i just touch on some of the injuries that trail runners are experiencing in his practice at the moment in particular and how to avoid them, how to strengthen up uh, and perhaps not get them in the first place. So uh, that's all coming up on this episode of Trail Talk SA. Let's get straight into it. Well, one thing I love about what I'm doing with these podcasts is technology allows you to literally just travel around the world. And I got an email from someone, actually, funnily enough, I've been getting a few tweets from him uh, saying he's been listening to the podcast in South America and, and got an email and, and, and just really fascinated by what he's doing in South America. And it's uh, an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Daniel Rowlands. Uh, welcome on to Try Talk SA. Thanks for your time today. You're in, uh, in South America in Chile. Uh, where about in Chile are you at the moment? I live in Santiago, Brad. It's the capital, uh, right in the middle of the country. Chile is a very long country, and Santiago is right in the middle on the base of the Andes Mountains. Okay, Daniel, I mean, you, you're in Santiago, but you you Zimbabwean-born. You, you grew up in Zim. You went to varsity in, in Cape Town. How on earth did you end up in Santiago in Chile? Yeah, it was quite a long process, but um, basically I moved here as part of a training program for my job. I was uh, working for a mining company, and the very cool thing about that is that I got to move to different locations where the mines and projects were. So I started off in South Africa working on, on iron ore in, in the head office there in Pretoria, and then I very fortunately got to spend a year in Alaska um, 
on a copper project, and then I was moved to the copper head office, which is in Santiago in Chile. Okay, so that, that's the, the, the one-minute abridged version. But, Daniel, you, you're pretty athletic, and, and we're going to get into some of the stuff you're doing at the moment. Were you always athletic growing up? You, you mentioned to me that you, you, you decided you wanted to try your hand at, at triathlon after school, and, and, and what happened on, on that journey? Yeah, uh, I've been doing triathlon and, and running for, for many years now. I started when I was at school. Um, my brother and father are very keen athletes too, and we would always spend the weekends doing local triathlons. Um, and slowly throughout my school career, I got better at that. Um, I was a Zimbabwe national junior champion um, at triathlon, and I did some of the um, All-Africa triathlon championships in South Africa and Mauritius and Namibia as a junior. And so I decided after school to, to have a go and see how good I could be at that. And I went over to the UK to train with the British squad in uh, Loughborough. The British uh, triathlon squad where I was training with had just an excellent program where they helped the athletes um, financially. They gave them the support that they needed, um, bicycle mechanics, coaches, um, nutrition advice. And I didn't have access to all of that because I'm, I'm not British. Um, and I, I didn't know if I would be able to to find that support on my own. Perhaps I was a little bit um, too young or, or not mature enough to, to start looking and, and thinking about being a better athlete. Um, but that, that didn't exist for me at the time. So I decided to, to go back and study and um, to go into a different field. Okay, and that, that's how you ended up back in Cape Town. You studied, and from there, uh, you've pretty much given your, your background how you ended up in, in Santiago and Chile. But uh, you, I'm presuming that throughout your student years and, and, and through this traveling to Alaska and now in Chile, you, you trained throughout that. I mean, you may not be, be racing sort of triathlon, but, but you were running all throughout that, I'm sure. Yep, all, all throughout that time. A lot of trail runs in Cape Town and um, some more uh, shorter road races in Joburg because that's what's uh, easier to access for me when I was there. Um, but it, things really picked up for me when I was in Alaska. I, I met some fantastic trail runners, and the, the city where I was living in, in Anchorage in Alaska, is on the base of the Chugach Mountains. But um, every, everything is very accessible from there. I was five minutes from a trailhead, and I could easily go out and run for hours and hours on the trails, just right from my home. Um, and that's how I really got into trail racing. The the runners there love really extreme races. They took me over um, a Crow Pass crossing, which is a, a marathon long race without any support, without any marking. They just sort of drag a line in the sand to, for the start, and then you run to the end, which is where the bears are. <laughs> it was just a, a fantastic introduction to trail races. And that's where I started doing ultra races as well. I did my first... Um, ultra marathon of 100 miles in Alaska, um, which I did in winter, and was just a completely different experience. And that's what got me into doing longer distance trail races. Okay, and then let's talk about, about uh, in Chile. Earlier this year, you, you took part in the Atacama Crossing, which you, you ended up doing phenomenally well in. Tell us a little bit about that race. That was in March this year, right? Yep, that's correct. I did the Atacama Crossing last year for the first time. And... Um, I think like most people going into their first multi-stage race in the desert, I was a little bit underprepared, not quite sure what to expect. And um, I had a good race. I came ninth overall, and um, it was 
it was tough. It was a challenge and I really enjoyed it. But I knew that I had a lot of potential to do better and I saw lots of things that I could improve on. Um, and that's when I started thinking about taking some time off and, and just training specifically for some races to see how well I could do at them. And before the Atacama crossing in March this year, I had six months where I did some really good training. I went up to the desert to practice in the conditions and to work on my gear. And when I got to the start line, I was I was ready to race and, and in good condition. I had a really good race, um, although it was very close. Over the first four stages, there was less than a minute separating the, the first two of us at the front of the field. And then on the long day is when I, I did really well, um, which I think is perhaps some of that longer running that I'd done in Alaska came into into play and it helped me with the endurance and to get a bit of a lead. And in the end, I did win the race, which was just an amazing experience. I'm sure. And, and it's it's just so funny. I mean, I, I chatted to, to AJ Collitz on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he was saying as well how, how he also, funnily enough, came from a triathlon background and, and discovered trail, not late in his career, but, but a little bit down the line and found something that, that he was really good at, that he might not have been able to compete at the top, top level triathlon-wise. But here, all of a sudden, he found a sport where he could find races that, that maybe played into his hands. So not all trail runs would, would play into his hands, but he could find ones that, that would suit his strength and he could go after those and, and do really well in them do you feel the same sort of way about about your racing and your career yeah i feel exactly the same way i think that trail racing is fantastic because it's so diverse and there are so many different facets to the 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 racing and the the different environments that you're going to compete in so i think that i have a really good opportunity where i can spend time preparing and being very specific in the work that I do. And that is very useful and helpful when it comes to stage racing. I might not have the speed to do a very short uh, 50K trail race, but over seven days when I've had the time to prepare and um, do blocks of work, that specificity that I can work on now means that I can compete at multi-stage races. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things I love about the sport as well is that there's just something for everyone that that you can. You can play to your strengths. If, you, if you're into vertical climbing, you can find a race where there's tons of vertical climbing. If you're into uh, really technical stuff, you can find a race where there's some really technical stuff. And Daniel, talk, talk me through life in Santiago at the moment. Like for you with regards to training, I mean, what's the reason why you're still there? Uh, I mean, Cape Town, let me put it out there. Cape Town's got some amazing, amazing trails and, and, and diversity. Guys like, like AJ Collett swear by it. Ryan Sands, who, who I spoke to last week on the show, uh, also just loves, loves training in, in Cape Town and, and reckons some of the best, the best sort of trails that, that he's ever run is in the Western Cape. What's keeping you in Santiago as far as life and, and training? Well, um, life is, has kept me here in part because this is where I finished up with my last training role at work. And also I'm here with my girlfriend who has a, an excellent job that she's doing very well at. And um, we're not ready for to move for her just yet. So part of the reason that I'm staying is, is um, other factors other than running. But uh, on the running side, um, we're right on the base of the Andes here, and there's just excellent trails to quickly get into straight from from the city. Uh, lots of climbing, lots of uh, rocky technical trails, and then as I go closer to the coast, there's a lot of sandy desert-type conditions that I can train in. And finally, the, the Atacama Desert is just, just a two-hour flight away, and if I want to do a specific training block, I can go up there 
and, and work in the sand and the heat and the altitude. So those, those factors keep me here. And um, so far, it's been quite advantageous, I think. I'm sure. How, how big is the trail running scene in, in Santiago? It's growing quite quickly. It's a, it's a smaller sport, um, I think, like in most countries. But very quickly, the sport is developing. Uh, we have a North Face endurance race here every year, which is part of the, the North Face endurance series. Um, and next year, there's a few hundred-mile races planned, some in uh, the desert in the Atacama and some further down in the south, which is a just absolutely beautiful area. Um, and slowly with more bigger, well-supported races, there's starting to be a lot more athletes racing here. So it's, uh, it's growing, but it's still quite a small scene. Okay. And as, and as far as ambitions for you, I mean, you've won, you've won the Atacama Crossing now. What, what's next on the cards for you? Are, are there other races, I mean, those desert races that, that, that are around the world, is, are those the sort of things that you, you've got an eye on? Yep, exactly that, Brad. At the moment, I'm focusing on the Kalahari or Grabi's Extreme Marathon, which is in October, uh, which is in near Uppington. So I'll, I'll be traveling back to South Africa for that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds like an excellent race. And the community has just been so welcoming and sending me good advice about the terrain and conditions. So I'm looking forward to that. That's my next uh, focus. And coincidentally, my brother and dad will also be running in that race. So it will be a very good family time as well, I hope. And then after that, I would like to do the Sahara race in February next year, which is part of the Racing the Planet series. And the race is actually going to be held in Jordan. Uh, instead of Egypt this time because of some of the conflict that's going on in Egypt. So for the next um, six months or so, that's what I have planned, another two uh, multi-stage desert races. Okay, and, and then Daniel, you, you mentioned the, the, the time you spent in Alaska and that 100-miler that you did in, 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 the, in the snow in the winter. I mean, these desert races, we chatted to Dave Ballet not so long ago who, who completed the, the uh, Racing the Planet in, in Iceland. Are, are yes. the, the the cold desert races on on your radar as well, or do you sort of thrive better in the heat? No, I think I'm much better in the heat. I uh, I did that race in Alaska, and the truth is, before I got to Alaska, I'd never even seen snow. <laughs> and when I was there, the race was in minus twenty degrees, and we had to pull a sled to carry all our gear. And it it was more of an adventure than a race for me. Um, I came fourth overall, but the people in front of me were, were really running hard and racing, and I was just mostly trying to survive those very tough conditions. Um, I think the heat definitely favors me, and, and I think I'm going to stick with that for the time being. Try, trying to survive and keep your hands and nose warm, I think. Yeah, it, it was freezing <laughs> and, and tough, but but enjoyable. A very beautiful place in the world to, to travel through. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll take the heat any day over the cold, without a doubt. But yeah, it sounds sounds amazing. And then as as far as, I mean, you're saying that, that life in Chile is pretty good at the moment. Any sort of long-term plans to, to head away from there, or, or is that home for now? It's home for now. Um, I'd like to see, I when I left my job last year, my idea was to take some time to, to improve on my running and to try and make some connections and meet people in the running industry and see where that could take me because uh, running and, and trail running is my passion. So if any opportunities come up for me to to train and race in other places or, or to work in the running industry, 
I'll, I'll look at those very carefully and take them up. But for the time being, Chile is home. Chile is home. It sounds, sounds amazing. Daniel, and then oh, you, you're online, you're on Twitter. But, I mean, if, if people want to follow your journey, they can obviously follow you on Twitter. And what I'll do is I'll pop your, your Twitter handle up on our website as well. But do you blog at all or, or, or do you sort of have an online presence where people can actually track you and, and see what you're up to? Yes, uh, I have a blog. It's www.dwroland.com. And uh, I put up my training, what I'm doing, um, some tips and advices about uh, desert races and also some quite in-depth uh, race reviews. So if anyone is interested in, for example, running the Atacama Crossing, they might want to look through that and, and see some of the, the photos and, and read some of the descriptions about the terrain and things like that. Sounds brilliant. Daniel, I'll pop those details up on our website as well. And yeah, I want to wish you all the best. Hope your training goes well and, and, and hopefully we can catch up when you are back in SA. That sounds fantastic. I really like that, Brad. Thank you. Awesome. Daniel, thank you. All the best and, and we'll definitely chat soon. Well, it's off to the friendly city right now, Port Elizabeth, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto Trail Talk SA this week, Sean O'Keefe. Sean, welcome onto the show. Thanks for, for your time today. Yeah, morning, morning. Thanks for having me. Sean, before I, I start telling to you, let me just give a bit of background to, to our listeners and, and why I wanted to chat to you. There's a major, major problem when it comes to rhino poaching here in SA. Uh, you sort of came across something through someone you know in PE over a year ago. It struck a nerve, and, and you've decided to try and do your little bit to, to help when it comes to, to stopping rhino poaching. You, you're putting on an annual event now called the Rhino Run. Sean, tell us a little bit about how it came about. This uh, The second running is is coming up and we'll get into that in a bit more detail shortly but tell me how the original rhino run came about okay uh, well yeah the, the, the original rhino run was it, it was inspired by a poaching incident that happened at the Karika game reserve uh, which is uh, close to Kenton on sea just down the, the or just up the coast from where we stay here in PE um, a vet that was treating uh, two rhinos that survived the, 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 a poaching attempt Dr. Will Fowles released um, a video clip of how we found these animals. Um, they were still tranquilized. Uh, they had uh, half of their faces basically hacked off by the poachers. And the video clips were basically him giving the, giving the animals the antidote. And when I saw these animals come around and realized that half of their faces had literally been hacked off with a, with a machete, um, it, it kind of struck a nerve with me. And uh, I decided, look, you know, I, I can't sit around on the sidelines anymore. Um, what can I do? And being a trail runner, um, uh, all the people that I've met through, through the sport of trail running are all sort of conserv- you know, conservationists at heart. Um, and, I, and I decided, well, cool, let's see if we can wangle a rhino run. Um, and I spoke to a couple of people that I've met through the scene. Um, I spoke to uh, the editor of Go Trail magazine, James Hallett, asked him if he would give me a bit of backup on it. And uh, we ended up putting it together. Uh, last year, we ended up with five rhino runs around the country. And through the initiative, we ended up raising 130,000 rand to help in the war on rhino poetry. See, that's, that's amazing how, how just one little incident like that can, can sort of inspire someone to do, do something that big. I mean, five, five runs, it's, uh, it's no sort of small feat to, to put something like that on. It's also a lot of money that you guys have raised. But the, the second edition is coming up soon. Tell us a little bit about uh, the run itself, or the runs, I should say, because there, there are more yeah, than the, one. The runs. <laughs> yeah. and, and how people Absolutely. can get involved. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, this, this year, we've kind of expanded it to seven different locations around South Africa. So we're hosting rhino runs in Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, uh, Kenton-on-Sea, East London, Durban, Gauteng, and Bloemfontein. Um, uh, people can enter online by just going to www.rhinorun.co.za 
Uh, our online entry system closes on Friday this week. Um, anybody that enters online will get a run around goodie bag. They will also stand a chance to win a weekend away for two people at the Kareka Game Reserve and uh, possibly stand a chance of actually meeting Tandy, uh, one of the runners that survived the, the, the posting attempt. Um, we also have one or two other lucky draw prizes. Um, there will be lucky draw prizes at each of the different events as well. Um, I, I must say that, you, you know, uh, although I came up with the concept, I couldn't do it without the support of the different race organizers around the country that have stepped on board to help me pull this thing together. You know, these guys are volunteering their time, their infrastructure, they're spending their time donating it to get out on the trail, find routes for the for, for guys to come and run at. So a big shout-out has to go to uh, the Riverside Trail Club in Durban. They've been helping us. They, they did it last year and are helping us this year. Uh, Pure Adventures in Bloemfontein, who are helping us do the inaugural one in Bloem this year. Um, Race Time, uh, who are doing the Gauteng Rhino Run. Um, uh, our company here in Port Elizabeth, which is Free Spirit Adventures, we're handling the Kenton and Port Elizabeth um, events. Uh, Backyard Adventures are in East London. And uh, Quantum Adventures are handling the Cape Town event. So the, the events have been put on by guys that really know what they're doing. They host amazing runs all, all, you know, all, all through the year. And uh, this is just their chance for them to also try and help give back on this, uh, you know, and help us fight in, in this war on poaching. Yeah, and, and you mentioned all of those partners that help you put those races on, but the one website to remember is rhinorun.co.za. You can get all the info there. That's, Sean, what I'll do as well is I'll pop, I'll pop that link onto our website too in the show notes for this episode of Trail Talk SA. So if people are listening to this, they can just go to Trail Talk SA. The link will be there. They can click straight through and, and find that out as well. The run itself, or the runs themselves, uh, happening on the 22nd of September, which is World Rhino Day as well, I see. That's, yes, that's correct. Yeah, this is the last year that we're going to actually be able to host it on World Rhino Day because uh, um, uh, after this, I think the, 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 twin, the, the actual date then starts moving on onto a weekday. So for the next sort of four or five years, I don't think we'll be able to, ho- to actually host it on the day directly. So, yeah, 22nd of September is the date. This is, it's a Sunday, so you should have no key problems with school sports and that sort of thing. Um, the runs are designed to accommodate walkers as well as runners. We have different uh, different distances at each of the events. Um, basically a 6K, which will be a run or a walk, uh, a 12K, which is kind of like an intermediate trail run, and then a 20K, which is for the more serious, dedicated trail runners that want to get out there and suffer a little bit in the bush. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and then, Sean, tell us <laughs> just a little bit about the, the funds that you guys are raising. Obviously, the proceeds from these events go towards uh, the fight against rhino poaching. Who are the, the, the sort of organizations that you support? Yes, absolutely. Okay, the, the, we, we have one anchor beneficiary that will always be a 20% beneficiary of the Rhino Run going, on, going forward. And this, this is a fund called the Rhino Injection Fund that was started by Will Fowl, the vet. Um, so uh, a portion of the funds go, go through to, to his fund. And then the balance is going to be split between two other operations. The one is called OSCAP, which is uh, Outrage South African Citizens Against Poaching. They're involved on the ground with a number of, of rhino projects, like the Rhino Orphanage, um, the Rhino Rescue Project, which is the horn poisoning treatment. They have a, a tracker dog program that they're very actively involved with, training the dogs to sniff out rhino horns at the airports and customs locations, how to track poachers in the bush and so on. And then the other beneficiary is the Chippenberry Rhino Foundation. Chippenberry are also very much hands-on. They develop tracking systems so that uh, rhino owners can actually track the animals through the bush and keep, you know, keep tabs on where they are. 
And they're also quite active in terms of equipping anti-poaching units and helping to train anti-poaching units on the ground with weapons and, um, you know, uh, gear like infrared, infrared scopes and night vision and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 such a, a scourge of, of our society at the moment. It's just, it's horrible that it's happening, but it's awesome that you guys are, are trying to do something. And I mean, I'm just looking at the stats on your website now. I mean, in 2013, we've lost 621 rhinos already. I mean, that's just ridiculous. No, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, you know, if we don't get a grip on this... Sooner, sooner or later, I mean, you know, I mean, if you keep getting posted at this kind of rate, the rhinos are going to go into a birth decline sometime within the next five to ten years. In other words, we're going to have more of them getting killed than of getting born, and then we've got a problem. Then we've got a really serious problem because an animal is back onto a seriously endangered route. Yeah, it's, it's not good at all. So uh, the run's happening 22nd yeah. of September. Sean, you mentioned that your online entries close this coming Friday. I'm just trying to work the date out. That's the 14th, right? That's the 13th. 13th. That's the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th at midnight. Um, that's just we have to close the pre entries up to give us a chance to pack all the goodie bags and then ship them around the country on time for the run the following weekend. So, okay. <laughs> so just a, a few more days. Are, are you taking? You're not taking any late entries on the day at any of the we, events. We, we will be taking late entries on the day at some of the events. Uh, the details are actually on the website, okay. but we are encouraging guys to please register online if possible. It helps with the logistics on the day. Um, it helps us to. Make sure that everybody gets processed on time, that the runs can start on time, and that every, every, you know, everything runs smoothly. Also, if they do pre-enter, uh, then they will be getting a run around goodie bags with a couple of extra goodies thrown in on that as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree with you. I mean, uh, the pre-entry is the way to go, at least as a, as a race organizer. You know exactly how many people you're catering for, and you can put on a, a great experience for the runners. It's, it's so difficult That's to, exactly to, it, to yeah. put on a world-class event not knowing how many people are coming. So, yeah, I, w- I would urge people as well to, to pre-enter. doesn't not even just for this race, but if uh, any race, if you you do have an opportunity to to pre-enter uh, pre-enter definitely do it it just makes life easier for everyone involved sean o'keefe thank Absolutely. you so much for chatting to us today we really do appreciate it uh, i'd love to to catch up perhaps afterwards just to find out how it did go and i also just see just uh for interest sake i don't know it's probably last minute now but but moving ahead yeah. in the forward uh, in in the future you, you've got a link on your website that says uh find out more about how to organize your own so perhaps somebody's sitting in another center that's not catered for uh f- as far as the rhino run goes perhaps they're sitting in kimberley or or or, or somewhere else and they want to put on their own rhino run how can they go about doing that well basically the, the, the idea with that was um we have the, the the official rhino runs happening here in south africa um, our idea was to try and spread the word about this as far and wide as possible. So we're encouraging people, if they're overseas and they want to just kind of run in solidarity with a country full of trail runners that are out there doing their thing for the rhinos, that they just get their friends together on their favorite trail. If they can, make a small donation towards a fundraising effort and then send us a photograph of them running on the day. They'll be doing so knowing that they're running with an entire country full of trail runners that are doing exactly the same thing. There you go. I think that's pretty cool. We've got quite a few listeners around the world as well. So, yeah, let me put that challenge out there from a trail. Talk SA perspective too. Uh, this week on the show, we we chatted to uh, Daniel Rowland, who's, who's is in Chile. He won the the Atacama Crossing. So Daniel, I know you're listening to this. Come on and get a couple of your buddies in Chile to do the same uh, for the guys here that'd in, be, in South be, Africa. That would be awesome. Yeah, there we go. Sean, uh, you guys are also on Twitter and Facebook. I'll pop those links up on our website too. So if people want to get in touch through social media, they can do exactly the same. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that link to that video as well. It is. Uh, it is disgusting. That's uh, <laughs> the only word I can think yeah, of. I, I'm going to put that link up, and uh, yeah, there is a bit of a warning that it it is graphic, and if you are sort of that way inclined, don't watch it because it, it it will upset yeah. you. But that's exactly maybe what we need people to see is is what these barbarians are doing to our rhinos.
That's exactly it. That, I mean, that video inspired me to come up with this, with this event. And uh, hopefully, if anybody else watches it, it will inspire them to get out and support this event to help us fight this war. Because without the support, we're going to lose it. Yeah, exactly. Sean O'Keefe, thank you so much for chatting to us here on Trail Talk SA today. I really appreciate it. And all the best for, for the race that's happening uh, on the 22nd. Awesome, awesome. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Trail Talk SA, uh, and uh, we're talking injuries uh, here on the show today. And it's a pleasure to welcome onto the show Chris Allen, who's a physiotherapist at the Velocity Sports Lab down in Cape Town. Not only is he a physio, but also an avid runner and trail runner. Chris, welcome onto the show. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us today. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me along. Chris, I wanted to chat just a little bit about uh, about injuries as far as, as as trail running goes, and and you're in in the process of doing doing your masters on on knee injuries in particular, and that's what I wanted to chat about. Uh, trail running, a lot of people are scared of trail running for that fact that it's it just almost comes across as that it's really easy to 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 twist an ankle or sprain a knee or something like that. In your experience, I mean, what are the most common injuries that you're seeing in your practice from a trail running perspective? Um, well, you get to break injuries up into a chronic type of injury or an acute injury. The acute ones are the ankle sprains and the knee sprains. And yes, in trail running, they're most probably a little bit more prevalent than on the road. Um, but the chronic injuries are the same as in the road running. The guys going out doing too much too soon, too fast, without enough rest. Um, so that type of injury is exactly the same in trail running as in road running. And in trail running, the acute injuries, yeah, you see the occasional more... Uh, ankle sprains, more ankle sprains than knee sprains, I would say. Chris, can I ask a question? This is coming just from from a layman sort of perspective. Yeah. What what's more common, the acute one where somebody sprained an ankle or, or, or sprained a knee, or the or the the things where people are doing things like like an ITB or, or that sort of thing, where it's 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 almost self inflicted. Yeah, more the self inflicted, the chronic <laughs> ones. They they just going out doing too much. You know, they enjoying being out there so much, and they. They're feeling good and they're just going out and doing too much or too too far and coming up with the ITBs, which is the classic, yeah. I'm actually so glad I asked that question because that is such a runner's thing that it's people are scared of, of running trail because they think they're going to do some serious damage, but nine times out of ten, it's you as a runner who ends up doing the damage. Oh, 100%, you know, and also... Uh, I suppose the acute injuries can be also the guys are just getting too excited. They're going out, they're running very technical single track where they really should build up into their specificity over time, you know. Start on the Jeep tracks, build up slowly, then do a nice simple hiking trails, and then start getting up onto the, the more technical stuff. The guys are getting injured because they're hitting the technical stuff because that's the fun stuff. Um, and they don't have the coordination, they don't have the proprioception and the balance, and they're going over on their ankles. Yeah, and that's important because that comes with time and, and experience. The more you do it, yeah. the, obviously, the better you get at it. Let's talk about some of the the, the cute, like the, the ITBs and that sort of thing, especially around the knee. Sort of what are the causes of something like that? You've mentioned overuse and, and just sort of going out and doing too much too soon. But but sort of are, are there any other causes that, that, that bring it on, and how can we avoid them? Um, you know, I'm of the opinion that even if you've got poor biomechanics, um, if you have got poor biomechanics but you follow a good training program, building up slowly um, and not overloading those structures, you can still run without getting that injury. So the biggest problem is the training. You know, these guys are just going out with poor biomechanics, even with perfect biomechanics, and they're just, they're just doing too much too soon, you know. So if they build up very slowly, they, the tissues in the body naturally strengthen up and are able to 
resist injury a lot easier. So the biggest problem is actually just the training. They're just going out too fast, too soon, and not recovering between runs. I'm actually so glad you, you mentioned the biomechanics side of it because I'm, I'm probably a good example of that. I pronate like so badly. If you see me running, you must think, how can this guy run? But yeah. I've managed to avoid injury because I, when I started running, I was a really big guy. I had to yeah. start really slowly and build up slowly. And my body's obviously adapted to that and has, and has come to terms with it now. And, and, and I mean, I can run no hassle. It's, 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 it, that's great advice. And then uh, I just also wanted to ask, with regards to like an injury like ITB, a lot of times yeah. people, you hear it, but you've never had it. What are the symptoms? What, what do you look out for uh, when, when it comes to ITB? Well, actually, people classically get pain on the outside of the knee, um, so on the lateral side of the knee. They get a lot of pain when they're running downhill, mostly. Um, and ITB, it kind of comes on at a specific distance into a run. So you'll be running, and maybe around about 4 to 5 k's, you'll start getting this lateral knee pain, worse on the downhill, and it'll just get worse and worse and worse. And every time you go for a run, it's almost like clockwork. It always comes in at around about the same sort of time every single time you run. And it can get so bad that you actually can't run anymore. And as far as treatment goes, uh, you, you say four to five k's. Is it is it best to like keep running below the pain and, and slowly trying to increase that, or, or do you need to really seek treatment and get it sorted out? Yeah, you can, with me being a runner, I'm quite an aggressive physio, um, and I kind of try and get my my patients to carry on running. But as you say, below the pain. So we say, okay, you're getting a pain at five k's. Let's just do four k's. Keep it flat. Keep it simple. While you're doing a rehab, which is very important, you know, strengthening up your core, strengthening up your, your hip stabilizing muscles, and then rolling that ITB out on a roller, and then doing the anti-inflammatory treatments around actually where the inflammation is in that lateral surface of the knee. Yeah, I, you, you also mentioned the strengthening of the core. A lot of times people, you, you, you get a knee injury, like an ITB, yeah. and, and people yeah. think that's the injury, but... And, and that's the cause of it or whatever, but there's often a weakness somewhere in your core, perhaps it's glutes or that sort of thing, that's actually causing an imbalance and that's what's causing the in injury. Am, am I correct in saying that? 100%. So, so the body, body functions all in balance. So um, structures need to be the same sort of pipes on either side of the joint, so they need to work on either side of the joint the same kind of flexibility, as well as in strength, you know. So your joints need to be able to be controlled both as far as flexibility and strength goes. Um, right from your core, which is like your um, foundation for your lower limb, your hip, which is the next level of the foundation, and then onto your knee. So a lot of injuries we're finding, especially with patellofemoral pain and ITB, the problem is not centered around the knee. That's where the symptoms arise. That's actually centered around the core and, and the hip. Yeah, and runners are notoriously bad at, <laughs> at sort of yeah. strengthening and stretching and, and that sort of oh, thing. No, we just want to go out and run, you know. <laughs> we want to be out on the road or in the mountain. We don't want to sit there and do ball exercises and Pilates and things like that. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we pay the price. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And then, Chris, you mentioned the, the foam roller. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I, I don't know anything about it, but I've heard tons of people talking about getting on the foam roller. What does it do? How does it work? You know, there's a, this whole thing about flexibility and stretching muscles, um, and there's this move at the moment to, rather than trying to just stretch a muscle, to try and improve the mobility of the muscle, so it's flexibility as well, but rather massaging it, doing fascial releases, that sort of thing on the muscle, releasing the muscle in that way. And the foam roller is a great way of doing it. So it's basically just a big foam roller, it's quite hard, and you can lie on top of it and move your body up and down. It's like you're taking a rolling pin to your leg, um, and you can work out any of your tight spots, any of your facial restrictions. So your quadriceps, your ITB, your hamstring, 
anything that's tight, you can just roll out. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're keeping your whole fascia, your fascia moving properly, you're able to run a lot smoother, uh, and your flexibility will be that much better. Sounds painful. <laughs> it, it is. Unfortunately, it is, especially when you start out. But if you're consistent with it over a period of time, you know, if you've been doing it every single day for a couple of weeks, then it's, it's actually quite nice, you know. Runners kind of like pain as well. Yeah. I was going to say that we are sadists, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, we feel that if it's not hurting, then it's not working. So yeah, and and yeah, one of my favourites is too. I mean, you, you talk about pain, and we like pain. Often, a runner will pick up an injury, and they'll go, "Oh, I'm a bit sore, but I'm going to take it out for a run and see if it gets any better." And so, so often it doesn't get better. It's best to sort of seek treatment and, and, and get some rehab and rather, rather sort it out sooner rather than later before you end exactly. up with, with something major. Yeah, so with my patients, I really try and hammer that home. And with the Harper Harriers, which is the club that I run with, you know, I, I really try and hammer that home is that if they get a niggle and it's persisting for more than just two runs, rather come see me then because then we can fix you normally within two or three sessions and you're back on the road and you haven't missed any major training. But what most runners do is, as you say, you, you keep running on it, seeing how it's going, and it gets worse and worse. You normally develop a secondary injury, and then they come see me. Then we have to take you off running, and then it can take a long time to fix you. So maybe the take-home message from this interview and um, what I really like trying to pass on to my patients is to get a niggle, get it sorted out first, quickly, either by a physio or go for a deep tissue massage or something like that. Get it sorted out quickly, and it can be a lot more cost-effective, and you won't lose out on your training. Without a doubt. Chris Allen, uh, if people want to get a hold of you down at Velocity Sports Lab, what's the, the easiest way to get in touch? Um, they can either email me on chris at velocitysportslab.co.za or they can contact me on the landline here is 021-791-7608. Awesome stuff. Chris, I'll add those details to the show notes for, for this episode as well. Uh, so if people want to, they can just go to Trail Talk SA, head to the show notes for this program, and everything will be there. Chris, thanks uh, for your time. Really do appreciate it. Uh, it's been very enlightening, and it's uh, yeah, hopefully we can chat soon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brad. It was great. There we go, done and dusted, another episode of Trail Talk SA. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed putting them together for you. Uh, this one in particular, really, really enjoyed it. So awesome chat with Daniel, looking forward to catching up with him when he's back in SA uh, in a month or so's time from now. And yeah, don't forget to be in touch if you'd like to. You can pop me an email, podcast at Trail Talk SA. If you've got any events or uh, perhaps there's something that, that you'd like us to know about, uh, you can pop us an email to that email address, podcast at trailtalksa.co.za. You can also tweet us at Trail Talk SA or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Trail Talk SA is where we are on the big Facebook. Uh, yeah, would love uh, to hear from you. Let us know where you are, where you listen to the show, if you listen to it while training or uh, I've always sort of, I'm always fascinated to hear where people listen to the show. So let me know. Pop us a tweet. It'd be very, very interesting to to find out. And also, if you wouldn't mind, I ask every week uh, if you do download this podcast through iTunes, if you wouldn't mind just taking just a couple of minutes uh, and leaving us a star review. And if you've got a few more minutes, just uh, if you wouldn't mind typing up a review, let us know what you think of the show. It just helps other people find the podcast on iTunes and it helps me spread the word about the sport that we all love so much. Uh, and if, uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind doing that, I would really, really appreciate it. So from myself, Brad Brown, until next week, have yourself a great one, and we'll chat soon. Cheers.